Hello, everybody. You are listening to the MS Mobile Show. This is the podcast that helps you get the most out of the Microsoft services that you use on all your mobile devices. On this episode, we're going to be discussing managing your Microsoft ID. We talk about the latest happenings with Microsoft Mobile. We're going to get, dig into the WinFan stuff. We'll, we'll go pretty deep on that, I think. And, of course, we're going to cover our personal app, music, and podcast picks. My name is Vernon E.L. Smith. Today I'm joined by David V. Kimball. How are you today, David? Doing well. We're also joined by Kevin Harvell, and, uh, which is great. All three of us get to be on the show, which is very, very exciting. Uh, as far as how I'm personally doing, I'm very tired. The, the lead-up to Windows 10 uh, has been sort of exhausting because, you know, all the preparation and wanting to get the hype up. Uh, so that's been my story. Kevin, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Had a great discussion on Tech Informist earlier today with Brad Whiteside, so it was a really good talk. Nice. Great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. If you enjoy the show and would like to hear more, please subscribe. You can do so using your favorite podcasting application or by visiting msmobileshow.com slash subscribe. We have a video version of the show, which is happening right now, but you can watch it post-live on YouTube if you are so daring to see our faces. Yeah, if you do want to watch the show live, just simply go to msmobileshow.com slash live, and you can watch every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time, so 2 Eastern. But if you enjoy the show and you would like to support the show to help keep it going, I mean, we are providing you free content. Uh, you can simply visit msmobileshow.com slash advertise, and there you can find all the options, whether you're an individual or a business owner, anywhere from as little as a dollar, you know, a dollar a month. And Vernon, I actually believe you you tested it out just to see how simple it was to do. And you know, would you say it was pretty easy and straightforward? My goodness, it was it was quicker than like I, I mean, you know, you can do the instant purchase thing on Amazon, and that's really really quick. And this was even faster. PayPal, like I already had my PayPal credentials um, partially in there on my browser, and I contributed to our own show very, very quickly, and uh, it was actually pretty seamless. And, of course, there's good options to cancel it as well. If we start to really suck more than normal, uh, you can always do that. So, But uh, Kevin, faster than Windows Phone 7's boot-up time? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, thanks for going into detail or you know explaining as far as the uh, supporting the show. Of course, uh, folks, if you're you're not aware, Kevin is the producer of our show, and of course, he produces several other shows under the I guess I would call it the STL Tech Talk umbrella that uh, you know the several show network. And uh, Kevin, you basically you know you pretty much do this full time. It, you know, you're producing a lot of good content, and we really pr uh, appreciate you doing all the hard work, and then. David and I just sit here and chat, and you guys just sit there and talk and prepare, and then I do most of the rest. Yeah, it's it's really uh, this is uh, we enjoy this little network we have going on here, and I'm really happy to be part of it. And Kevin, thanks for you know pulling me in for this. This is pretty cool. I, I really Kevin, thanks. It is fun. I mean, I just I love podcasting, and I'm really excited to be going down to podcast movement in a couple weeks. So on. I think it's like the August 1st or 2nd, whatever that Monday is, I will be still down in Dallas. So 
for that conference. Yeah, and I believe me, I am green with Envy. I wanted to go to that very badly, and just things did not turn out this year as far as, um, well, having a new child and all that type of thing. So, yeah. Kids yeah. always throw a wrench into it, but we love them Dang anyway. kids. So, uh, what else were we... Uh, we were going to have a guest on today. Um, we were very fortunate to have uh, a guest agree to join us who we were very we, we were thrilled to have him on but uh, unfortunately the uh, due to technical difficulties which I struggle through every week it seems like and um, and and still managed to not get my lower thirds on my uh, video doesn't um, it feel good guest, to not be alone <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh, but our guest was unable to make it but we really hope to have him on uh, next time or sometime soon so we are uh, but glad that we have Kevin on here. So uh, let's finish up the intro part of this, David, as I uh, I should just stop talking now, I think. Well, we both love Twitter. All three of us love Twitter, I should say. So if you love it as well, if you love our show, you can follow us at MS Mobile Show. And we like Twitter a lot because it's great for uh, finding other tech enthusiasts and expanding the Microsoft Mobile Lovers Network. So speaking of enthusiasts, we're going to cover some feedback. We try to cover feedback. We don't get a, to cover every piece of feedback, but we had a great email. I had a great email from uh, Rick. He's known as Rick Air on Twitter. And he emailed us just contrasting the difference between an enthusiast and those being enthusiastic. So in general, you could call, you could really generalize and say this is the difference between a technology practitioner or mobile tech practitioner and a flat out fanboy. Okay, now that's very broad and very, you know, extreme size of the spectrum there, but we do see this. We're in tech, we're mobile tech, and we have tended to enjoy the three of us have intended we have uh, liked Microsoft stuff for quite some time. We feel it works best for us one way or the other, but it's still difficult for me to truly say that I am not a fanboy because I I still feel strongly for some of the things I like and sometimes I am biased potentially more than is uh, logical or is is within reason rational uh, Kevin you deal with um, you know plenty of other um, uh, different forms of technology you enjoy at Microsoft but um, how, how is that balance between the different operating systems and the different platforms for you well the one thing that I have noticed is being able to use Microsoft's new direction, it's just software and services on all platforms. And I think that's kind of making things a lot better. I was talking with a guy last week at the StampedeCon big data conference here in St. Louis about, well, how do you share your files? Where do you store your files in the cloud? And I said, well, I just use Office 365. And he you know, was wanting to know why. And I said, well, it's available on every device that I use. I can install OneDrive on all my devices. So I've got pretty much all my files at my fingertips, whether I'm using my Mac, my Surface Pro, my iPhone, my Nexus 5, LG G3, or Lumia 1520. Everything is just right there. And now that you know Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, they're just everywhere. So I just think it is the best integration when it comes to office productivity and you know, having all your data at your fingertips. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I I feel that it is the best solution for a lot of reasons. And we can get into the moral side of which uh, platform we, we think we like best. But also I want to ask you, David, grow, um, being a generation, or I don't know if quite a generation, but you know, years younger than us, um, and just getting out of college, in, in a, and I know that you, uh, I've really liked your recent, one of your recent episodes of Beyond Tweeting where you talked about uh, political science and debates. You're in that space, so the people you uh, uh, deal with sometimes can be very polarized. How do you differentiate that? How do you not get sucked into that yourself? Well, I want to start off from a quote from one of my professors while I was studying at Northwest. His name is Dr. Webster. He's a well-loved professor, and he said this. Someone asked him about bias, and he said, Bias? To be human is to be biased. So really, people talk about, well, I'm biased, or I'm, you know, I guess I'm a little bit biased. Oh, that person's great because he's not biased. That's kind of silly because everyone's biased about something. So you know, you need to always qualify bias with something. So my bias is Microsoft because I happen to like it a lot, right? And every single person has a bias. The question from then, from there, should be. What sort of bias do they have? Do they have an informed bias of a multitude of experiences, or do they have a very one-sided bias? Right. So, um, bias can be measured on what you like more. So, uh, Kevin just talked about how he thinks Microsoft's the best for integration for all of his things, and and Vernon said something very similar, and I'm going to say something similar. Those are our biases. That's why we're on the MS Mobile Show, right? But I think it speaks to our credibility that each of us. I think we can say all of us in the show have uh, devices on different platforms. You know, we have the iOS experience, we have the OS X experience, we have the Android experience, but we prefer the Windows experience. And it speaks volumes when I tell people, yeah, you know what, I used my MacBook for years in college. But when I got my Service Pro 3, I sold it. Because the Service Pro 3 does more what I want in a better way that I like, right? So... Yes, I'm heavily biased, as are we, both of us also, the other two of us, with Microsoft, but it's an informed bias. It's we've tried the other things. It's not a bl blind fanboyism that Rick Ayer was you know, talking about in his email. So there's informed enthusiasm, and then there's like fanboy enthusiasm. So I think that might have been the difference that he was striking. Yeah, it's a really... It's a Nice, long, thought-out email. I, I appreciate all the, the thought and effort he put into this. And it really does, um, it shows, I think, without reading it, it he's just saying that, um, yeah, he likes Microsoft stuff. He likes the, the start menu on Windows Phone, for example. But when it's time for a new phone, he still considers the other options and, and weighs them, basically. And I think he basically um, is back in that technology enthusiast uh, category instead of, um, just a fanboy, for example. Last thing I want to touch on is for, as far as these operating systems, and I'm kind of bringing it up because of a Facebook post I was possessed enough to put up, um, was uh, the, um, uh, the the true, the end result, or how do I say this, the product. We've heard this all the time. If, if, uh, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product, or some, in some way like that. And so I feel that Microsoft is... It's still a huge corporation. They're they're there to make money. I get that, but I feel that they are the less they are the least immoral, or uh, yeah, the least immoral of some of the larger companies. Um, is that is that a fanboy statement on my behalf? Is that too is that a less rational reason 
for me to want to stick with someone, or is that uh, stick with an operating system platform, or is that is that fair? I mean, is that uh, wise? I want to say that really quickly before I actually want to hear what Kevin thinks about this. Uh, but I want to say really quickly, if you remember the Scroogled campaign, Microsoft got lots of flack because they said, okay, well, you know, Microsoft's uh, making fun of or, or, you know, criticizing Google for doing all this thing like saving information. Well, you know, every company does that to a degree. So it's a little questionable that you'd be, you know, poking fun at other companies for doing it. I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? I do agree with that and the fact that, you know, Microsoft caught a lot of flack back in the days of their, all the litigation they went through with Internet Explorer being, you know, uninst- uninstallable. You know, where you really couldn't, you're just kind of forced upon it. And, you know, the running joke was always, yep, well, I use Internet Explorer to install other web browsers. Yep. So, I, I don't know. I've just, I don't get into the whole fanboyism thing. I mean, I I love all the platforms. I mean, probably not all equally, but I respect each one for what they bring. And, you know, I've probably mentioned before on multiple other shows, I don't know if people might remember, but the fact that if you would have said a year ago I'd be using a MacBook and an iPhone, I would have probably laughed at you because I didn't, I didn't understand it, but that is typical of society where, you know, you kind of slough something off if you don't understand it because you've never used it. Once you use it, you start understanding why everybody likes this experience. So I think a lot of that would be like the Surface Pro line. People didn't understand it, so they thought, oh, it's just uh, it's a Microsoft tablet slash laptop replacement. You know, they they didn't take it serious but because they didn't use it. And it's kind of like me with Macs. I'm not really getting it because I hadn't used it. Now that I use it, it's like it's a great platform, and I can see why people are very passionate about it. I'm just not the kind of person that's going to go start a fist fight because somebody says Microsoft's bad or... Apple's bad or Chromebooks are bad. They've each got their place in society. You know, everybody's got a great use case for it. I, you know, in my part-time job at work, I sell phones at Best Buy Mobile, and most of the phones we sell are the Samsung Galaxy S6 and and the Note 4 right now. There's Samsung and Best Buy have a really great relationship for one reason or you know, one good or bad, whatever. We sell a lot of those phones, and people are happy to buy them. Well, I'm going to help the customer get into what they want. I, I, can't, I can't convince them. If they have their mindset on something, I can't convince them otherwise. I can give my opinion, and I'll you know, I'll say that. I say, well, I prefer a Windows Phone. It's a small market, but I'm very satisfied with it. But many people like Android. Uh, you can't go wrong with Apple. I mean, like, whatever. It's They're, they're not bad. I wouldn't necessarily recommend... Uh, a BlackBerry Bold at this point, or a BlackBerry Classic, to someone who just wants the full, who wants to you know, take advantage of the full Google experience, the uh, Google Hangouts, like whatever. It's just not best for people, but um, but it still hurts me a little bit. Oh, just buy a Windows Phone, but you know, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's it's unreasonable, even even just looking at the numbers. So yeah, and Vernon, you touched on something there. Um, you, you're talking about being sort of fair-minded in as far as what does the consumer want, and that really is the most important thing. I, and like when I was went to Northwest and before that, I wanted everyone to get a Windows Phone. Like I, I couldn't see any cons to, to anyone getting a Windows Phone. Well, eventually, 
and I had a lot of people say, hey, which one should I get? And of course I was excited. I'm like, you should get this one. It's going to be great. I had one person, actually maybe one or two people out of all those people say, yeah, I returned it and got an iPhone or I returned it on Android because I didn't like it. And I felt awful, not because they didn't have a Windows phone, but because I recommended something to them that they didn't want. Like, that was bad, right? Like, at the end of the day, you want the people you interact with, the people that go to you for advice, you want to fulfill their needs and make them happy. And if it's, you know, that's the most important thing. And so there's that side of it, but then there's the other side, which is the win fan side, which is I have this fair-minded, you know, rational thought, and then I can just be a fanboy whenever I want on WinFan and say the craziest things about how, you know, the world needs Windows and stuff, and I can do that on WinFan. And, like, that's what that's what I think WinFan really is. It's um, it's not dropping being fair-minded and all that, but it's just kind of being yourself and saying, look, this is how I really feel about it. Uh, I wish everyone felt this way, and maybe we can convince, convince a few more people how, how great this is. Well, just not to dig deep into this, but which we already are. But look at politics. Look at look at faith-based choices, whether it's well, faith-based itself or um, whatever. I'm not going to name anything specific, but people feel pretty strongly about that kind of thing, um, almost to the point where they're willing to truly fight for it and even lose friends over it. And so we shouldn't get to that point with our technology. They're just a tool. It's just helping <laughs> us along in life. Not for some people. Once no. it becomes in the way, once it's 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 decreasing the value of life for us, or especially the ones around us, it's time to drop it. You need to move on and just go. I mean, unplug for a while. Um, but you know, it's okay to be excited about something, but make that differentiation. I really love this because I'm just into it. You don't have to say this is always the best thing ever. You're wrong if you think otherwise. Just say, hey, it's it's my you know I, my thing. I like it. Um, I'm going for it. Whatever. So, yeah, cool. In the chat says, I'd say I'm a Microsoft fan, but if they do something I don't like, I'm quick to comment about it. And I think that's honestly that's a big strength of the Microsoft community. I think we're pretty honest people. Like we do like most things that Microsoft. I don't say most. Lots of things Microsoft does. But if there's a glaring just poor thing, we give our feedback. And that's helpful for Microsoft in a lot of ways. It's odd because sometimes these Microsoft fan, fanboys, that just broadly, are the first ones to call that out sometimes and say, really, come on, step it up. You know, like being being upset, like your favorite basketball player and he does something stupid. You're like, come on, you're letting me down here, dude, or whatever. And I don't know. It's it's really interesting, the dynamic. I didn't think we'd spent this much time on it, but Rick had a great, great piece of feedback. We wanted to cover it, and it's really, um, I'm glad, I'm really glad we did. So let's jump ahead a little bit. As far as last week's poll, the poll was, how do you like your people? And I put it broadly like this and kind of vague, but with Windows, Windows uh, 10 Mobile, the people tile, has these circles in it. Okay, many people know this. If you don't, uh, uh, this is how how it works. And the the circles of the of the the people's icon or what do you call it? You know, their profile picture. And uh, this a bunch of circles on a square tile, in my opinion, just doesn't jive. And I'm not a design expert, any stretch of the imagination. But to me, I just don't get it, and it's a little bit surprising. But the poll was, how do you like your people? Um, what did I put? Square or you know? I better pull this up. Actually, David, do you have it? You no, know, I, I don't. I, but I fail at this all the time. I have a question. I have a question. So, when they are all a bunch of circles, are they are they like animated? Do the circles move around? They do. 
Okay, yep, so they, it's similar to how it was, but they're just circles instead of squares. They move kind of um, laterally and then diagonally. Um, huh. They're in a... Um, I guess it's hard to explain, but I mean, yeah. They, they, they do move. There's an animation to it. It isn't... Um, I guess it could be worse, I'll just say that. Uh, but it's, it's not necessarily my choice. Um, and then, of course, the other option is you prefer the square, uh, the old style tiles within the people tile, or do you, and I put something, do you not, are you not aware of the uh, uh, people tile icons that I'm referencing or something like that? And so um, <laughs> do either one of you guys have this up right now? Uh, no, I don't. Sorry. I, just, yeah. I was just changing the people tile on my own phone. Okay, so this is me um, not being prepared again. And so I... Um, Kevin, if you got something to say right now, then I can look this up without... Uh, multitasking uh, is not my... Not my that was an easy thing. Just go to you know the last episode of MS Mobile Show and the link's in the, the, those show notes. But there was... You know, there was an image that floating around of how Microsoft is actually changing the Microsoft employee badges. You know, the images oh, now right. go to circles. So they're moving towards the round design. And that which, was a cool story, too. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it's interesting that they're all about the live tiles, and the live tiles are square, and yet they're wanting to make some of this other stuff circles. It's kind of contradictory, but circles is what it is on, you know, iPhone or iOS and also Android, especially Android. Android's mm -hmm. just all round when it comes yeah. to most and then of images. Course, with social networks, I mean, you have a, a change with so, with circle profile pictures as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that is, maybe, if I had a guess, maybe that's a differentiator. Maybe Microsoft's design ethos behind it is circles mean people, uh, tiles mean applications or functions. Right. Yeah, to just maybe, kind of maybe. help distinguish that a little easier. Well, I do have the results here, and of course the the options were round, square, or I'm not familiar with the People Hub live tile of which you speak. And 61% uh, preferred the square, the older style, um, you know, profile pictures in the live tile. 30% preferred the round. And of course, nine percent uh, were were less. I w I wasn't as clear about it uh, purposefully in the poll as uh, I could have been. So, um, you've spoken, folks. Thank you. And I guess Kevin, did you actually did you share your preference? Which do you prefer? I'm a round. I like the round. Just yeah. to me, it's visually current. I don't know. It's just the way more of the UI to, you know design language is going towards is round. Yep. And that, that makes sense. I understand that part of it and being, you know, staying ahead of the curve or recognizing a, an upcoming trend is wise. I just don't I mean the picture that I put in the in the poll just looks junky to me with as far as the the circles in the square. I, I yeah. don't know. On the actual live tile, I'm a little bit skeptical as well. I think it looks weird, but uh, yeah. I don't know how else they could do it. It looks very odd. Mm. Okay, so let's jump ahead here. I need to get a tablet. I need to get a note-taking tablet. I have a conference for work that I'm going to soon, and uh, for for years when I've taken, I'm a note taker. I dig in. I try to get as much out of that conference as I can. I sit there. I'm the geek in the front row, um, taking notes, raising my hand, contributing. I'm I'm that guy. Sorry, guys. The good student. So, 
yeah, apparently. So, and so I try to get as much out of that as I can. So I have a notebook. I take a bunch of notes. I go through a couple pens. I mean, like I'm I'm that guy, and I'm sick of hauling around that stinking notebook. So for this next uh, conference I'm going to, I'm bringing a note-taking tablet, which I have not purchased yet, and I have not settled on what I'm going to get. Needs to have a good stylus, preferably included or you know like clipped in, you know, um, part of, um, embedded, I should say. Um, Eight-inch tablet, I think, is good. I don't want a, a Surface Three. Oh, I, I do want a Surface Three, but I'm not going to use that for. I'm not going to spend that much money just to take notes at a conference and to haul that around. I'm not getting some little Samsung Galaxy Tab Two seven-inch. I'm not going with that. I want it to be a Windows machine, and I think the Vivo Tab uh, Note eight-inch is uh, the best. Is the top of my list right now. I want it to be under 300 bucks. That's about 250 if you get a brand new, probably cheaper some places. And I've considered. Well, Kevin, tell us about the Dell Venue uh, 8 Pro experience. What you what you think of that for note taking? Well, I don't really use it so much for note taking because I don't have a I don't have one of the capacitive styluses that you would use with that. And some of them, I, I mean, I've tried using them because I do have some that are kind of like the pen actual like ink pen combo then I always worry about using those because I'm always afraid if I push a little too hard the ballpoint pen will actually come out and be scratching up my display but it's just like you know using you know your pinky is a, essentially it's just a nice rubberized pad I mean it, it works okay but writing I found is just not the greatest to me it's not the greatest experience that's one reason why I just prefer a Surface or a Surface Pro. Just it, to me, that's the best note-taking experience you can get on a tablet. But the Venue has been overall, it's a great little machine. It runs a little warm overall, but I think it's been a good good device. Yeah, the Pro Three is great for note-taking. Uh, I think as far as note-taking goes, Vernon, you got to have good handwriting to make it worth using a stylus or pen of any kind. Yeah. If your handwriting is terrible, you know, don't you, you might as well yeah, just the record. Tablet's the not going to help it any at all. Yeah, exactly. I just use a recording function on the tablet and then take notes later or something, you know. Yeah. Okay, I have reasonable handwriting, um, and I, I mean, I played around with the OCR a little bit, both with the Office Lens app and um, some other stuff. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, even just on the Surface, I reckon uh, the Surface RT, um, not the specific note taking. OCR, I think, but just the general like handwriting one, and it seemed pretty good. Uh, picked up my um, my style of handwriting, but yeah, I certainly, if anything, and if it doesn't work very well, then I'll just have to improve my handwriting, and that certainly isn't a bad thing. That's true. Um, you have a specific tablet you would recommend? Obviously, Surface Pro three, and believe me, I'd love you know to justify that, but I just need this thing to take. I want to keep it under three hundred bucks. Sure. Uh, my my limit again. My handwriting is awful. So I do I write as little as possible. Um, but what's amazing is if you change the keyboard type to handwriting, you can actually write cursive and it picks it up and it text, which is amazing. So if you're a cursive writing person, uh, I would recommend the Service Pro 3 very much uh, to do that. But I gotta say, I use keyboard exclusively. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just not willing to to be that guy setting up a, a you know be, really being the only person with a PC in this conference. Sitting there clacking away at a keyboard. Um, 
no, I, I, I need to, I need a couple friends left after that. So. <laughs> so my my question is, if you're looking for a new tablet and you've already got a Surface RT, why are you looking for a new tablet? Uh, have you used the Surface RT lately? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's been a while because I ended up selling it to put towards the Pro 3. Okay. Um, mine's just bogged down, and um, I have used it for, for note-taking to some extent. Um, well, basically just, just typing, um, but I don't... I just don't feel that that's going to be the best solution. I think it's a little bit heavy. It's going to be too big, I think. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, listeners, let me know. Um, I'm actually going to wait probably a day or so before I send out this poll. So if you have any other options, like Kevin, I didn't even thought of that, but I mean, I, I don't even thought of it. But you've already got a device. I mean, you could always reset it and then install the new update that's going to be coming out in the, I guess, another month or so, bringing the new start that they've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. That, that so would just. That is a good that is a good something to consider. So I will. I guess I, I do want to be able to use a good Wacom pan, a pen stylus, which uh, the RT does not support. But the I think the Surface 2 on up um, supports all that. As far yeah. as I, know. I mean that is the downside of the of the RT is, and that that's what I ran into is well I can't really write because I don't have a true stylus like a, the Pro line had. Hmm. And I think that's why I ended up getting rid of that. I gotcha. Do we want to move on to the tip of the episode now? Yes. Okay, so the tip of the episode is managing multiple Microsoft accounts. Now, inevitably, you had that Hotmail account from way back when, when Hotmail was a thing. In fact, my dad actually has an at msn.com email, so he's got it from back then, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but... Maybe you know Outlook.com came out, or you know when Live.com when they rebranded Hotmail to Live.com, you got another email because you wanted the new one. Or maybe you made an Xbox account right then. Or you know there's a lot of reasons why you would have multiple Microsoft IDs. So the question is, how do you manage them? Because you know in a perfect world, you got your Hotmail or whatever, and then when Live came out, you added it as an alias, and then when Outlook came out, you added it as an alias, and then everything's on one. But that that, that's very unlikely that that happened. So there's a few solutions for this. The first one and the most basic one is, you know, you could set up rules in your Outlook mailbox. So let's say you have an old Hotmail one that you don't use anymore, and you want to use your modern Outlook.com address. Go back and sign in, like open a other browser you don't use, sign into your old Microsoft account in your Hotmail account, and then set up automatic forwarding and rules. You just go to settings, manage rules, and then say, make a rule where where the to address equals whatever your Hotmail address is. Have it automatically forward to your, your Outlook.com. That way, you never have to sign into the old one again, and any emails that you got in the old one, get into the new one. And then I'll say one last thing about this. That works for Gmail. You can set up filters to do that. If you want to have an old Gmail address, it works for Yahoo. Uh, so what you can do is set up rules that forwards. And then the last thing to do is in your modernoutlook.com email, set up a rule where when you receive an email with the to field of Gmail or the to field of Yahoo or the to field of Hotmail, put it in its own special folder so you don't get confused about what email it's coming from. I hope that, I hope that made sense. Does that make sense to you guys? It's it's a lot, uh, but it is it's worth it. And if you need to, folks, you can go back to um, 
listen to it again, or of course, uh, you can call David V. Kimball at home uh, in the middle of the night, and he will walk you through every bit of it. Gladly. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe I'll um, even write it out. I, I have actually um, helped people with that, and it's a long process, and it's and I'm not the best at it. It is a challenge. You just got to go through it, dig through it. I have a, the issue where I have a primary uh, Microsoft account, and I have the secondary, the the I always call it the vanity address, which are separate, and it's um you know the primary has all my OneDrive linked to it. I have to double share OneDrive stuff like that, and it is a it is a bit of a hassle. And David had a solution which I'm a little bit trepidatious to try, but I know it exists. Um, basically, dropping your vanity Microsoft account, the name of it, deactivating it for 30 days, and then adding it back onto your primary as an alias, assuming that it's still going to be there. Right. And of course, during that time, you will not, you know, you won't be getting emails at that address, of course. So if that's your Facebook login or like whatever, um, it would be a lot of work for depending on might be might be worth it. Um, Kevin, do you have any other insight on this? Well, my Microsoft account is my personal Gmail address. I mean, I've got like a, I guess a Live and a Outlook, but I never, I never use them. They're not associated with my main Microsoft account, just because I want to be able to, when I log into any device possible, with my personal Gmail, that's where all my contacts are going to come in. I don't have to worry about that, and all my calendars sync up with that. That's right. So maybe you had an old Hotmail account used back in the day, but then when you sign up for Xbox or you want to get a Microsoft account with your Surface, you just they said put in an email, you put in your Gmail address, or you put in your Yahoo or something like that. And that's your that's your primary one. So maybe you don't even have to worry about your other. But the point is mo I think most people have more than one Microsoft account if they use, you know, Microsoft yeah. services. And I know I do have a separate one for like any kind of app development which I really don't do, but I do have the one app out. Come on, you got lots of time, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, I've got so much free time to do. So I, I do have technically two that I've got to make sure I'm logged in as, you know, just depending on what it is. Like my Nokia account, I think, is actually my developer account because it was associated with develop and all that. Oh, cool. Oh, by the way, Cool in the chat said that my explanation made sense to him, so... Him or her, I don't know if cool is a guy or a girl. Uh, that is awesome and encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Well, you're you're smarter than me, cool. No, I. <laughs> no, you did explain it pretty well, David. It's just it's a complicated thing. So it is a complicated thing. Yeah. All right, let's jump to news. We had a great news suggestion from one of the hosts of uh, uh, Surface Smiths. Colin Smith, uh, he can be found on Twitter at C-I-S-T-E-L-C-O-L-I-N. Uh, Colin Smith suggested uh, this news link, this, this ep um, um, basically this, this uh, well, this blog post basically saying how, it's from ZDNet, saying how smartphone buyers are getting bored with their devices. Um, 2014, 2013, Samsung had a really big ramp up. They did really well. They had some innovative stuff. They marketed the crap out of them, um, and then iOS was kind of lacking at that time. I'm not saying that the devices got better for iOS, and so now we've reached a point where, where smartphone users basically have what they want or what they think they want. We need to come up with, in general, the, the OEMs and the, the, operating, you know, the, the platforms need to come up with something new that's compelling 
to get people to buy smartphones again. The the actual purchases purchases of new smartphones has I don't want to say it's dropped, but it's 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 lagged a little bit because of yeah, my phone's pretty good enough. I hear it all the time. Oh, my S5's you know what what does the S6 offer that the S5 doesn't already do? Um, has a glass back. It's thinner. I mean, better like camera. It, it does have a better camera, yeah. But then again, every new, pretty much every new smartphone has a better camera, and most people are satisfied with their last year's or two-year-old, you know, crappy camera, which was just fine then. So, it works. Famous last words. Yep. It yeah. just works. All my stuff's there. That's that's. I think Microsoft's biggest problem with. Windows 10 roll, except they're making it free, which is a great strategy. But as far as Windows 8 upgrades or Windows 10, Windows 7 is a great operating system that just works, and that's Microsoft's biggest problem. It just works. So just like that with that's, smartphones, like I mean, they were innovative and new. And for example, the 920, I would say the Lumia 920 is a great example of this. You know, whatever it is, three years later, it still works, and and it's a very capable, amazing device. It and still yes, runs. It runs Windows 10 pretty well. Exactly. I'm actually running it right now, and so and jo- so it just works, right? Jo- Joel Rushworth had um had mentioned it the other day. I don't know if it's just on Twitter, or even just in a in a um, Skype chat I had with him, that that is that that came out in the, as um same time as the Galaxy S3, which seems the S3 seems so old, and the 920 seems. <laughs> Feels still pretty fresh. I mean, obviously it's an old phone, but can you imagine running Lollipop decently or or Android M? Can you imagine running Android M on an S3? Now, Android listeners or, or people who who might be using that that um, hope I don't I'm not uh, digging too deep. I'm not um, being mean here, but my goodness, the the S3s that I see that come in the store, um, that you know, it's five minutes to load something. That's an exaggeration, but it's it, whatever, it's amazing what the 920 can still do. Camera's still fine. And um, what do we need to do? Or what do operating systems, wow, OEMs, what do OEMs need to do to come up with that next compelling thing? Are we going to go with this bionic, um, or what do you call it, biometric stuff? Is that the future? Do you think of consumers when you use the word biometric? Because I don't. No. no. Their eyes are going to glaze over when you start talking about that. Yep. The, like the, the camera was a great example. Like people identify with a good camera, right? They don't need to know that it's 41 megapixels or has a Carl Zeiss lens. They want to know that's a really good camera and that you can zoom in really far because that's going to resonate with them. So that was a really successful strategy by Nokia slash Microsoft, and that was a way to bring something that was truly you know innovative and something techies would like, and bring it to the forefront of consumers and say, hey, I know you take a lot of pictures. What if you could take way better pictures and zoom in, right? I think that worked. And then, at what point are we really just overkilling it? To some, we could argue that the 1020 was overkill. Okay, it was it was really really good for marketing. It was great technology. It was proving a point, and it did sell. I mean, uh, it sold well, I suppose. And I love that phone. I, I regret getting rid of it, but I, the, I I post the same pictures from my 920 as I do as from the 1020. To Instagram and no one knows the difference. I mean, well, like, it's Instagram. I know, but even to Facebook or I don't even know 500px or like whatever is that right? Is but that Flickr, Flickr is where you can see the difference. Ah, oh, you're gonna get me to join another social network. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, finish up what this this. What do you think about? This? I mean, like, 
what do you think is the next thing? Well, I mean, it just seems like everybody is kind of pushing towards the biometrics, uh, whether it's fingerprint scanner or, you know, the you know, repeated rumors of a retinal scanner on on a phone to unlock your device, and I just think that that's a waste of time and financial resources to me for something that, I mean, I know you've got the Amazon Fire Phone that had all those different sensors and you know, Samsung's included that kind of stuff where as long as you're looking at your phone, your screen will not go off. You know, you can kind of, it would recognize if you're looking towards the bottom of the screen, the the news article or whatever you're reading would scroll down automatically. Those are battery-killing services Yeah. by having all those sensors and stuff running. And it it might seem cool and stuff for a little while, but you find yourself like, eh, I, I can, it's just as easy for me to scroll up with my thumb or down to navigate. So I just think it's overkill and people just trying to innovate to innovate when it comes to certain things. You know what I think would work? I think what would work is if they had a phone, they could advertise three-day battery, right? Because battery is the bottleneck of every single smartphone, pretty much. Absolutely. And so I think the thing that would most resonate with consumers, and even techies, obviously, would be this thing has the best battery you've ever seen. You know, that would work. Well, just to flip it on its ear a little bit here uh, to transition back to Windows. Windows 10, um, we're going to see, with Windows 10 Mobile, we're going to see Windows Hello, we, we, we think, will be on the phone. And, of course, Windows uh, Continuum for the phone, which are awesome, okay. But are people really going to use that? I mean, are people even going to care about it? Um, you know, it still is in that category of gimmick, even if those few people, it's like the Motorola, Atri- Motorola Atrix from six years ago or whatever, um, there were a few people who really, really loved that and used it, and most everyone else just laughed at it. My brother had that, actually. He, he never used. He only used it in the tablet mode a few times, and that's when they had it on display in stores. That was the only time he used it. So, Well, that remains to be seen, I guess. Uh, obviously, it's very exciting to see that new technology and the capabilities, but then whether we really use it in day-to-day life, um, we'll see. If it's going to sell more phones, we don't know. David, tell us about some fanboyism stuff again. Let's get back into the wind fan, the positivity of wind fan. Let's do it. So, to, so Windows 10 is going to be here in like nine days, which is really awesome. And then you know, there's some there's some caveats to that, meaning the Windows 10 Insider Tech Preview folks is going to are going to get it like right then, and then it's going to roll a little later to other people. But basically, July 29th is like the the what Microsoft is using as the data market when Windows 10 is coming out. So I, I thought it would be really fun in these next in this next week or so uh, just celebrating Windows 10 in some way. So maybe really, really excited to use the shiny new start menu that has, as Microsoft calls it, the best of Windows 7 and the best of Windows 8 in one. Maybe you're excited about that. Maybe you're excited about Edge. I mean, you should be if you haven't used it yet. I I've, I've was organizing my favorites on it the other day, and it's such a joy to use Edge. Uh, so what I was thinking... And I talked to some of the other WinFan admins, you know, WinFan Global, WinFan Canada, WinFan India, uh, and newly, WinFan Czech Republic. Shout out to you guys. You guys are brand new. I was thinking it'd be great to use a one hashtag that we could use that that we could use to talk about Windows 10 before it comes out, and that's Win10 Countdown. Not Windows 10 Countdown, that's a bit long. If you use hashtag Win10, one zero, 
countdown, we can all see each other's posts and see what we're excited about, and that'll be a way to get more buzz to other people as well about Windows 10. So if you guys are listening and you're excited about Windows 10, just like we are, and you know we're all Win fans, use the hashtag Win10Countdown. Yes, I was actually being a good host and in the chat room, and by doing that, I put myself on mute and I gave dead air. So I apologize, everyone. It's all right. I'll cut it out of the audio. <laughs> so that'll, that'll make even less sense now that uh, there was no dead air for me to apologize for. So uh, next thing here was I want um, to talk about something that we is a little bit mixed, I think, as far as enthusiasts, whether they wanted this to happen or not, and that's Cortana on Android. And so some of us, at least, are, are running that. I do have a Moto G uh, that I, uh, the 2014 edition or whatever the second gen is. I put Cortana on there. It's, of course, it leaked. It's not official yet. And it basically works like it does on, similar to how it does on my 1520, my 830. Um, I would say it actually works more like it does on Let's say the nine, the 920. Okay, it doesn't have um, um, uh, Hey Cortana, that type of thing, and it doesn't have the deep links that, that some of the other things do. But it's still, you can still set an alarm. Um, there's still whatever. It's it's good. Um, Kevin, you've used it. I mean, is this is this a good thing? I mean, I I, I feel it's a good thing, but tell us why. I think, think it is just because people that are you going to be migrating to, you know, Windows 10. You know, coming from Windows XP, Vista, 7, 8, 1, you know, which, whatever operating system of Windows they are currently running and updating, if they're not already familiar with Cortana and the deep integration that it's going to have with the operating system, if for some strange reason something does happen to Windows Mobile, it's going to make jumping to another mobile OS more familiar and not as you know, dreadful. You know, and I know a lot of people, oh, I'll never use an iPhone or I'll never use an Android. Well, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, well, if you've never really used one, you can make Android... People always want to say Android's so complicated. Android's as simple as you want it to be. It can be as simple as an iPhone if you want it to be. You don't have to use all the widgets and this and that. So I, from my, my short period of time with Cortana on Android... I do like it. You still get the 20 heat advisory or flood notification, you know, flood warning notifications in a eight-hour period. Just like you know, it's one of the things Cortana's kind of had a little glitch and just keeps notifying you over and over and over lately. <laughs> get your get your butt in the ditch. <laughs> or get, How get hot is that, Cortana? Holy cow! You? I know it's like I seen your phone move to the middle of your house yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like I have. Yeah, it, that aspect has been kind of uh, frustrating for a lot of people. But it does work well. Like you said, uh, no Hey Cortana, but I mean, it, it recognizes the voices all there. And you know, if it can help you rack up some more Bing points, so, so be it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's jump to our personal Windows Phone app picks. And in this case, it won't all be Windows Phone. But uh, David, what would you recommend for Windows Phone uh, this so, episode? I think I pronounced this name correctly. I'm not sure. Faisal? Uh, I bet it's Faisal. I, Faisal. I work with a Faisal. Faisal. Okay, Faisal. Faisal B. Ahmed on Twitter. I w 
gave me the suggestion for an app because I was complaining about the Tumblr app, the current Tumblr app for Windows Phone, just eating data. And I, I'm warning you, do not ever use the Tumblr application on LTE because it will just, just, just go through your data. Always use Wi-Fi. And, and I was talking about that. And, and uh, Faisal? Actually, yeah, it is Faisal. I'm sorry, I didn't misread. I work with a Faisal and with a Faisal, and this is uh, okay. Obviously, well, I'm the expert on these names. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this guy said, "Hey, if you look at this website, Metro App Sauce, you'll see this application called Ported." I think it was a little bit of a self-promotion, but that's okay because I'm going to promote it. Ported is an amazing Tumblr application for Windows Phone. It's in the Microsoft design language, it runs really, really fast, and it most importantly, it doesn't destroy your data. So if you're a Tumblr user, you have Tumblr, you have several Tumblr accounts like I do in one. Use Ported for Windows Phone. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with one that is not for Windows Phone because um, I could not think of it. I've been using the same apps over and over again. I'm just not coming up with anything new, but I've ran across something for iOS, which I thought was really, really interesting. We actually had the, uh, this this entity follow the MS Mobile Show on Twitter, and it is CrowdBuzz. And basically, it is a micro-podcasting, like kind of like micro-blogging. It, it's a mini-podcasting uh, social network, I suppose, which uh, you, it's, it's just straight audio, no video or anything, and, and uh, 200 or less characters of text and hash hashtags and stuff. And it's 60 seconds of audio, and uh, you just, and so far it's primarily, um, ones I've seen are, are professional uh, accounts, you know, like, um, I don't even know what it would be, you know, hey, MSN News, or no, not MSN, what would that be? Something cooler than that, I don't know, uh, ESPN is something. Uh, listen to the new fight, John Cena taking down. I, I don't know. I, I'm 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 not uh, in that space very well. But it is uh, similar to the Snapchat uh, news feed, if I understand correctly. And um, I created an account and put a little blurb out there, and it's just kind of interesting. And and maybe this will go nowhere, but um, it's very very new. That's for sure. But it's well. I think it's pretty well polished. I didn't see any real blips, any any glitches in the in the app itself. So if you're running iOS or if you have an iOS uh, device just laying around somewhere, CrowdBuzz, um, it, it's pretty cool. Check it out. It's, it's, it's new and maybe you'll like it. For nothing else, reserve your username. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. Kevin, do you have a specific Windows Phone app or I guess other that you'd like to share? Uh, I would still, you know, for Windows Phone, I still always go back to MetroTube for YouTube experience. And, you know, since playing with the latest Windows 10 mobile build on my 1520, you know, getting back, reacquainted, setting it up, and adding this app and stuff like that. I always liked watching the videos with the MetroTube app. I think it is just really well done. And, I mean, it's free, or you can give them a dollar if, if you want. So you, you have your option to just get the full app for free or give them a buck. And I say give them a dollar just just for their work on making it so polished and well-performing. Yeah, it's the battle of MyTube versus MetroTube. But I agree with you. Yeah. I like I like MetroTube better than MyTube by, by a small margin. And sadly, they, they picked a really awesome name at the time, and now we're not really going with Metro much anymore, which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah, the name Metro is uh, gone pretty much. Yeah. But it is so an incredible app, and that is what I that is my go-to Windows or um, my YouTube app on Windows Phone. 
music. I'm going to jump ahead here with the band Volbeat. I may have mentioned them before, but I was rocking out to them a little bit last night at work. And it's um, just a metal band. I don't remember where they're from, Germany or I don't know. I'm not going to be very uh, very <laughs> thorough on this, but Volbeat is one of the bands that I would recommend you listening to. It's a good rock band. All right, the music pick for this episode for me is going to be a band called Rhapsody of Fire. They're originally known as Rhapsody. They're now known as Rhapsody of Fire. They are an Italian symphonic metal band, and uh, they ha- they sing about like fantasy elements, and they have like an ongoing story in all their albums, and it's just... Uh, it's really over the top and awesome. But this the particular song I'm going to recommend is called The Dark Tower of Abyss, and it's on their 1998 album Symphony of Enchanted Lands. And there's a there's a middle part of that song that just it gives me goosebumps every time. It's so cool. It's like it's like synthesized violins and it sounds like a, like the beginning to a really good masterful piece or a classical piece, I mean. And then the guitars come in, and you're just like, this is the coolest thing ever. So listen to it. You won't regret it. Cool. Kevin, what do you have? I really don't have anything for music. I don't listen to enough music. I'm a podcast guy. Yeah, I'm the same way. So I'm going to go, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I'm going to recommend this one that I may not have recommended on this show before, but I'm sure I did um, other times. The Podcast Answer Man. Uh, This is by Cliff Ravenscraft. And... um, uh, I listen to a lot of his stuff, and I'm only recommending it again this time because he's on vacation, but he has uh, published three episodes. He you know, recorded them all within one day or whatever, but then he split them off over three weeks or whatever. It's a good way to do it. But these three episodes are all about questions that he fielded as he's helping people through his um, podcasting A to Z course. And so, David, for you, for example, or and I mean, I, I learned something from there. Kevin, you'll probably find a tidbit in there or two as far as uh, questions from new podcasters and things. Like, for example, one of them was um, my my uh, profile image or my, my, um, my logo is not showing up in iTunes. Well, they used a PNG instead of a JPEG, for example. Really? One of those things, yeah. And so that's one of those little things that I didn't really think much about, but that was one of the answers that he gave to the questions on there. So three episodes, as most recent ones, are all covering that type of thing, and um, the show is very, uh, it's a great show, it's been uh, it's 450 episodes so far. He's truly um, one of the leading voices in, in podcasting, and also really just choosing a better life. I really recommend, really recommend listening to him for, for all of that, and I really respect what he's what he does. So uh, Cliff Ravenscraft is uh, well. He, he is the podcast answer man. Awesome. That's awesome. I will definitely subscribe to the podcast answer man. Uh, sounds awesome. Yeah, he does a really good job. And actually, I did listen to one of the episodes last night when I was going to bed. All right, I'm typing in right now. All right, um, so my oh, should I go? Podcast. Either one, I guess. Okay, so my podcast is. Uh, going to be... You have, a, you have a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I don't mean mine. <laughs> my sorry. pick, sorry. Good you better cast. plug it again at the end here, David. Uh, I don't know about that. I've done quite a bit of that. Um, my podcast pick is Peculiar Podcast, and that is with Pat Cashman and Lisa Foster. For those of you that have maybe grown up around in the Seattle area, uh, may remember uh, Pat and Lisa. They were 
they were a great duo. I think they were on Como, if I remember correctly. Uh, but they're just uh, they're hilarious. Uh, Pat Cashman actually did the voice uh, for a game called Super Smash Brothers Brawl. He was the narrator. A game that I played. Uh, he also is part of the introduction to my other podcast, which is Beyond Tweeting. Uh, and so, just the hilarious duo. I definitely recommend you check it out. Peculiarpodcast.com, or just search it. Obviously. All right, so for me, I'm going to go with it's a local radio show that plays here in St. Louis from 3 to 6 p.m. And it's called the Frank Opinion. And it's not really a pot, it's just the radio show, but it's broke down into three hours of podcasts. Each, each hour is released as an episode, and it's just something that a, a person just does on their own, just, just pulls the stream down from... Uh, from the web and releases it as a podcast for people to listen to at any time. And they just get on some really interesting, fun topics. And they do some little movie reviews. They'll do a tech segment on Mondays, a pet segment on Wednesdays. It's just really funny. And uh, the host, Frank Opinion, he's been on St. Louis Radio for you know probably 30-plus years. And it's just a really funny show that gets you thinking about certain topics. It just doesn't take itself too seriously. Great. Well, um, let's go on to the Twitter tip, which is using Buffer. So many of you may be familiar with what used to be called Buffer App. It is now Buffer.com. You can queue posts for social media. So, for example, this is how I use it. Let's say I have two really great things that I want to tweet, or two or three things. I can tweet them all at once, but you know that's not always the smartest move to make, depending on what your strategy is and how you want to share your content. So what you might do is use Buffer, which is a tool you can use to queue posts for a later date, and say, all right, I'm going to tweet this right now, but I'm going to save this tweet for later. So you copy it, whatever image is attached to it, and you, you include it in Buffer, and you can queue the tweet for the next day at the same time. So you don't have to remember to tweet it the next day. It just does it automatically for you, which is really, really nice. Uh, do you want to add anything to this, Kevin? Or, or Kevin or Vernon? No, not really. When I've used Buffer, um, I don't use it right now. I, I should. Okay, I, I want to be able to uh, spread things out a little bit. If you're trying to better engage with, with your audience to try to, try to uh, get your message out there, it does... Uh, you don't blast it all at once, basically. And that's what Buffer helps you do, is spread that stuff out. If you have a... Um, especially people who are very focused, and this is what they do for a living, and that's not what I do for a living, but uh, people who are good at this, they have that inspired moment. Okay, 10.30 in the morning is when I have all my tweets already pre-built in my head, or like whatever. Slam them into Buffer. Um, it, it'll just even auto-spread uh, them out if you need to, and then they can go out throughout the day, even if it's just little, like say, for example, this is something I really like to do, actually, is uh, find quotes of the day, and that I just like for whatever, you know, oh, Benjamin Franklin or like, you know, whatever, and put them in there and just spread them out over, you know, once a day instead of having, oh, I found these nine cool quotes, I'm going to put them all in a row. Um, it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's a waste. So you get the idea. Uh, Buffer is great. You can actually use it with your, um, with Pocket. Um, I, I'm, I don't use this, so I might be uh, mangling this description, but as you go through and you find things that are interesting on the web, you can just send it directly to Buffer, and then it can just 
pre-schedule to, to share that. There are some people that are great at this and they truly have become a, a great source and news feed and then there's other people um, who, who I guess it can be abused but I, th I would say a worse abuse if it is anything on Twitter is uh, you know 20 tweets in in three minutes you know don't do that and if you do I mean expect less engagement or you know some a negative repercussion of some sort now am I right in remembering when it comes to buffer doesn't it like learn your followers most uh, times that they're most available so to make sure that it gets posted in front of their eyes at the right time yeah, there is a little tool with that. You look at engagement, or I don't remember what the tab is called exactly. Uh, you can look at those and then find out your, the best times from there, or you can sign into Clout, and Clout, K-L-O-U-T, will give you, when your tweets are most engaged, your best times to post. And then, of course, if you use Clout in combination with Buffer, you can find the most ideal times to post and then queue them up and change your schedule on Buffer to queue at those specific times. So, yeah, I'm really glad you, you brought that up. Nice. We're probably right about at an hour here, maybe a minute or so over. We got a little bit of a late start, but let's finish up. Um, of course, folks, if you like the show, um, if you're listening, we hope you like it. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, and make sure you come back and listen again. You can always subscribe to the podcast. Do that with your favorite podcasting app so that it's right in your feed. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to tune in live if you don't want to. Of course, most of the uh, people who enjoy the show are after the fact, uh, not necessarily watching our uh, flapping jaws on video here. Uh, you can find the link at msmobileshow.com slash subscribe. That's how to, how to do that. Of course, we want to hear what you think of the show as you're listening. Uh, and what I do when I listen to a podcast sometimes, I'll, I'll actually just pull up their Twitter account and I will tweet at them as things are mentioned because it's difficult you know, you listen to an hour-long show or even half hour, like, oh, man, I can relate to that, blah, blah. And then at the end of the show... You try to, con you know, converse with them via Twitter. You forgot all the stuff you're going to say. So you can, whatever, tweet at us if you'd like. We're at MS Mobile Show. Facebook, of course, we exist there. MS Mobile Show email is contact at msmobileshow.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vernon E L. Kevin, why don't you tell people a little bit about, uh, well, of course, where they can find you and also some other shows they may like. Okay, so for those of you that do not know me. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Kevin Harvell. That's with two L's. And, you know, I host a couple local St. Louis podcasts. One is called STL Tech Talk, and that just more deals primarily with local St. Louis tech people that are, you know, like tech startups creating software, for example, like uh, BuckUp, which is a way that people will be able to kind of like create events and, you know, avoid the hassle of trying to get a group of people together to, say, go to a baseball game, but you want to buy tickets as a group so everybody can kind of sit together and enjoy it without having to worry about, like, a, a private suite or something. And then people can just pay you back then, and you don't have to chase the people down to get the money back. But there's all sorts of different ways that they're planning to use the software. And also I'm launching a new one called Who's Who in St. Lou, and that's just going to be to talk about more general people in St. Louis that are just doing things, whether it's restaurants or we got some really great barbecue places in St. Louis that nice. rank really highly in like TripAdvisor and stuff like that. So just want to be able to talk to you know all sorts of different people. 
That's cool. When are you starting that? Uh, that's going to be sometime in August when that show will launch. Cool. I'm excited about that. Uh, as far as reaching me, you can find me on Twitter at David V. Kimball, or you can visit my website, which has recently changed, uh, davidvkimball.com. And then, of course, I have another podcast uh, that I'm a part of called Beyond Tweeting. If you had a .com at the end, that's where you can find it. And David is not just part of that podcast. He is the podcast, and it's like seven different podcasts, and I don't know how you can pull that off, but it's really, really interesting. He's pumped out, what, 42 shows in the last three days? No, it's like um, <laughs> one episode every day last week. It was incredible. Really, really cool uh, show to listen to. Obviously not quite Microsoft-related, but very uh, social media. And um, I would dare to say a little bit younger audience targeting towards a little bit younger audience, but that doesn't obviously doesn't exclude anyone. So um, check it out, Beyond Tweeting Podcast. Folks, you can listen to us again. Uh, we record this show uh, every Monday at 1 in the afternoon here at our time, Central Time. Of course, if you, uh, uh, you can always look up, you can do the math somewhere, or if you have a question, you can tweet us and find out when it is in your, your time zone. Uh, of course, uh, if you feel the show is worth some of your spare change, please... Uh, contribute to the show. We'd be thrilled. Uh, but whether you contribute or not, we really appreciate each and every one of you listeners. So thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great week. Stay mobile. Stay mobile.